Hi, this is Maddie Rose, host of The Fame Game, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for Lauren Spirer. She is 20 years old and went missing from Bloomington, Indiana, June 3rd, 2011 at 4.30 a.m. She is Caucasian, 4'11", 95 pounds, with blue eyes and blonde hair. She was wearing a white tank top, a white button-down shirt, and full-length black spandex pants. If you know of Lauren's whereabouts, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline, 1-800-THE-LOST or 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Lauren, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's next young superstar? If you're the ages between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are all of your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we will be talking with Jim Ferguson from ABC about the Oscar nominations from the Best Animated Film category. Also we will be talking with author Donald Sampson about the Dragon Boy trilogy. Plus we will be talking about the new films Big Miracle and Journey 2. So to start off the show we have with us Jim Ferguson from ABC Arizona and we also have Makai, Blake, and Gabriella with us. So, how are you today, Jim? Oh, I'm doing fine, Raven. Thank you. It's just a pleasure to be with you guys today. Well, thank you for being with us. And how are the rest of you? I'm doing I'm great, good. Raven. Okay, so the animated films that were nominated for the Oscars are A Cat in Paris, which is a foreign film, and there is also Chico and Rita, Kung Fu Panda 2, Puss in Boots, and Rango. Um, so we'll start off talking about A Cat in Paris. I personally haven't seen the film because it's a foreign film, but it's about a little girl whose father recently dies, and she has a cat. And she finds out that the cat has been helping out a kind-hearted thief um, get away with all of his plans and all of his um, all of stealing everything. And she meets the thief, and he's actually really kind. And the reason I think that this film is actually really cool is because it's done like a painting almost. And I don't know, it seems really cool. It looks like French artwork, and I find it really fascinating. Okay. Personally, I have not seen it. And I usually in the weekends, I spend a lot of time with other critics um, at what we call the film junkets. And I didn't talk to anybody that has seen A Cat in Paris. Uh, they've heard a little bit about it, like you have. They said the look of the film is beautiful. Um, and, and it's like uh, uh, Chico and Rita, and the, the first two that have been nominated, people are saying, where did these come from? What happened to Tintin? Uh, 
Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg's movie, which the critics were all saying was going to win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film, didn't even get nominated, and which yeah. has kind of surprised me. So I really can't comment on A Cat in Paris because I, I've never seen it. I had never heard of it either, and we were all talking about it before the show started, and none of us had heard about A Cat in Paris or Chico and Rita. And yeah, I do think that it is strange that Tintin didn't get nominated. It did get nominated in a separate category. I believe it was for cinematography. But yeah, it is kind of strange that Tintin didn't get nominated. Um, Blake, what do you think about that? They were saying that it was motion capture, and that doesn't really count as animation. I guess, but mm -hmm. yeah, it really was a big disappointment that it didn't get nominated for Best mm -hmm. Animated Feature. The other film that was nominated was Chico and Rita, and I actually don't know much about that film. I know it's about two people. They meet in Cuba, I believe it is, and um, they're both musicians, and they fall in love, and then they go through this whole big love story thing, and they get pulled apart, and they find their way back to each other, and so that's what that film's about. Um, but let's get to Kung Fu Panda 2, and I know that, um, Gabriella, have you seen that one? Yes, I've seen Kung Fu Panda 2 before, and I thought the movie was very lifelike because I saw it in 3D, especially the action scenes, and I felt like there were more action scenes in this movie than in the prequel. I absolutely agree with you. I thought this movie was fantastic. Um, Kung Fu Panda, the first film, my brother's obsessed with karate and things like that. And so I've seen it so many times. And I thought that film was amazing. And then Kung Fu Panda 2 was a perfect follow-up to this film. And I do agree, the cinematography and the animation in this film was awesome. Uh, there was a lot more action scenes, and I thought that was cool. The action scenes were very good because they were... Um, you know, very, you could really tell what was going on and you could feel the action, especially in 3D. And I thought that was cool. So, Jim, what do you think about this film and have you seen it? Yes, I have. And I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, Jack Black and Dustin Hoffman at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I, I really liked Kung Fu Panda, too. I liked the idea that the uh, characters were searching for their roots and it was a little more adult. And I loved, so the story was, uh, I thought, much more fascinating than the first one. And I agree with you, Gabrielle. The effects were beautiful. And uh, I can understand why it was nominated. I really enjoyed it a lot. And it was a pleasure to talk to Jack Black and to Dustin Hoffman and some of the other voice uh, talents as well uh, because uh, they really did a good job. And it's, it's a, a beautiful film to look, watch, too. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are talking about the Oscar nominations for Best Animated Film and discussing the Dragon Boy series with Donald Sampson. Also, we will be reviewing the films Big Miracle and Journey 2. But right now, we are talking about the Oscar nominations for Best Animated Film, and we are discussing Kung Fu Panda 2. So I agree with you guys, and especially what Jim was saying about how it was a bit more adult and about how the characters were sort of searching to find their past and discover who they really were. And I thought that was cool because it gives the older audience and parents that might be taking their younger kids to this, it gives them something that they can grasp onto and really think about and things like that, which I find fascinating. Hey, Raven, could I say one more thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jack Black was just so good uh, in, in, in his search for who he really was. But, you know, there was other cast members we didn't even mention, Angelina Jolie, Gary Oldman, who was just wonderful as Shen, the voice of Shen, the bad guy. 
uh, Jackie Chan, Seth Rogen, Lucy Liu as the Viper. Just a wonderful cast. And so what do you think the chances that Kung Fu Panda 2 has in the Oscars, and why do you think it would deserve to win? I, I think it has little chance because it didn't do anything with our awards, the Broadcast Film Critics uh, or the Golden Globes. Uh, it was nominated but didn't win anything. And we'll talk about the other ones that I think might win it coming up, I'm sure. But I, I, it, although it's very, very good, I don't think it'll win anything. Okay, so now let's talk about Puss in Boots. Um, Blake, have you seen this film? Yes, I have. I thought Puss in Boots was a really fun movie. I saw it with a bunch of friends, and uh, we had a great time there. We, there was plenty of laughs in it. Awesome animation. Like, just top-notch. Really detailed. The fur on the animals is incredible how, how they pulled that off. And is there anything else you could tell us about the animation and the cinematography? Uh, well, the cinematography in this movie was really creative, I thought. Um, in the movie... They, they go up a beanstalk, and the, uh, that whole action sequence where the beanstalk is growing out of the ground was, was mind-boggling. It was really fun to watch. I personally didn't see Puss in Boots, but my younger brother saw this film, and he loved it. He actually saw it three times, um, which is big for my brother because there are only certain films that he'll watch over and over again, and when he gets obsessed with a movie, he's obsessed. But I know um, all of the younger kids in my family, they love this film as well, so I know it definitely had a good storyline. And Gabriella, I know you reviewed this film, so could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, I really liked the movie Puss in Boots, and I thought the voiceovers of the characters in the movie were excellent because um, Antonio Bandera's accent, it really matched Puss's sly and adventurous character, and for Salma Hayek, her voice fit the tough and flirty character of Kitty Softpaws, but I also really liked the adventure because scene after scene puss is always on an exciting escapade and also what blake said i really thought the animation was very realistic because it detailed even on the subtleties and what do you think about the age range and audience appeal that this film would have um, I would recommend this movie to kids 10 and up because the movie is very enthusiastic and exhilarating, but there are a lot of twists and turns because Puss's allies and enemies keep changing in the movie. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if younger kids would be um, able to follow the intricate plot. Yeah, it does seem like sort of that twisting, changing plot might confuse younger kids, but I also think that... Um you know, adults will be able to grasp onto it and would be able to enjoy it as well. So, Jim, what do you think about this film and what are your opinions on it? Well, I totally agree with you that adults will like this just as much as the, uh, as the kids. And, uh, hey, Gabriella, how about the performance, the voice performance of Billy Bob Thornton as Jack and Amy Sedaris as Jill, Jack and Jill? <laughs> I just yeah. thought they were wonderful. Uh, as the rest of the cast, I interviewed uh, Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek together, uh, and we talked about this film, and they were just so pleased with it. They'd like to do a sequel, which they just might do. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Antonio Banderas said, you live in Tucson, Arizona, right? And I said, yes. He says, you know, that's only 60 miles or so from Mexico. And he suggested I drive to Mexico and see Puss in Boots in Spanish because he said it is much better in Spanish than it was in English. I thought that was interesting. And so what do you think the chances that Puss in Boots has in this race to win the best animated film in the Oscars? Well, like Kung Fu Panda 2, I don't think it has much of a chance. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I voted personally 
for Best Animated Feature Film uh, in our Broadcast Film Critics uh, Award show. Uh, that was my choice. It didn't win, but um, and I don't think it's going to win Best Animated Film, but it's just so entertaining. I, I This is one of the animated films I would enjoy seeing again. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as somebody said, the animation itself was outstanding. The uh, Chris Miller, the director, I like his work, and uh, it's just a, a good film. All right, so let's move it on to Rango. This film is a film that I have seen so many times. I absolutely love Rango. I think Johnny Depp's performance in it as the lead vocals, he was amazing. I think the entire cast did a fantastic job. Um, I think the animation is really good, and it really captures that western, dirty little town, and I think it was fantastic. Um, So, Blake, what do you think about this film? Well, I personally didn't see Rango, but from what I've heard, I heard it was a really like the movie had a great plot and plenty of twists. And my friend was telling me just how awesome the art style of the movie uh, did paid really good homage to the animation they combined with it. So that was really interesting to hear from them. But I also heard that there's a lot of um, mood in this movie and there's a lot of feeling with the, the whole cast and um, so, Jim, quickly, before we're out of time, would you just tell sure. us your opinion about this film? I, Raven, I feel exactly the way you do. I love Durango. And living uh, where they used to make a lot of Westerns here in, in Arizona, uh, it, it does kept, capture that dirty Western look and feel. And Johnny Depp's uh, voice was just unbelievably great. Uh, here's my pick. It's going to win. It's going to win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film, in my opinion. Uh, well, I absolutely agree with you. Okay. I agree, too. <laughs> yeah, All right, well, it looks like we're out of time. Jim, thank you so much for being with us. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First Film Critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? 
It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the new film, Journey 2, which comes out on February 10th, and we will be talking about that with Blake Hawes from Hawaii. So how are you today, Blake? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this new film that's coming out in theaters very shortly? Well, I think Journey 2 is a very fun and entertaining movie and offers some brilliant like eye candy. And, and a lot of the scenes, just how well it was uh, filmed and how great of a story it is. I just thought it was a really good movie. Well, the cinematography seems absolutely beautiful. As it's not out in films yet, I've seen all of the trailers, of course, because it looks so amazing. And um, like you said, yes, all of the films and all of the cinematography look fantastic. And I can't wait to go see it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the storyline of this new film? Okay, well... In the movie, there's a boy named Sean Anderson, played by Josh Hutcherson, and he has a new man in his life, his stepfather, Hank, played by Dwayne Johnson. And this movie is more about the relationship between uh, Sean and Hank than a, a mindless, cliche adventure movie, if you know what I mean. But um, Sean grew up with a lot of loss of loved ones and people coming in and out of his life, and Sean has trust issues in the movie with his stepdad and doesn't want to get too close for, to him. He's afraid that he'll leave him... Uh, due to his unfortunate past with his uh, other father. But um, Hank wants to play a bigger role in Sean's life and hopes to finally make a bond between them. And between all this, they, they, they uncover the mystery of the mysterious island and go on an adventure to find Sean's long-lost grandfather, played by the great and legendary Michael Caine. Well, it sounds like an awesome film. And before we get into a little bit more of the details of the movie, I understand that you went to the press junket of this movie and you got to meet all of the cast. So why don't you tell us about that? That sounds so exciting. That was It's one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. It was my first time doing a press junket, so it was really interesting to meet all these famous people. And uh, Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's such a great guy. Uh, our interview was amazing. Like I told him it was my first interview, and he... he he really showed me the ropes and everything. Like 
he did this thing where it's called the peck pop of love <laughs> from the yeah. movie and yeah it's he basically just moves his um pectorials uh, up and down and it's, it's just really funny and uh, Luis Guzman is it's like probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. This guy's amazing. And uh, Josh Hutcherson, he's he's a really cool guy to talk to too, along with uh, Vanessa Hudgens. I had a lot of fun talking to him. Well, that's so cool that you got to do that for like your first press junket. It got to be such a huge thing. And so tell me a little bit, what was it like for um, you to see the film and then talk to the actors and be like, oh my gosh, I've seen you on TV. What was that like for you? It's it's an experience that it's really hard to describe just how amazing it is. I cannot like be more thankful to have that opportunity. It was it was so much fun. I met a lot of great people. You know, just a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree with you on that feeling of it's hard to put into words what it's like to watch a movie and then see a person in that film or see a person in the film and then go watch the movie. It's insane and it's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the cinematography and how we thought it was absolutely amazing, but could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, there are some amazing action sequences in this movie between the animals of the mysterious island because in the movie, they did a really creative way in the movie where on the mysterious island, all the animals have been reversed, so all the small animals are very big and all the big animals have become small. Like, there's a... There, the elephants in this movie can be held in your hand, and uh, the bees in this movie are colossal, and you can ride them around. It's just a really creative way they did this, and, and the cinematography brought justice to every single one of these representations of these animals. I think that would be so cool if, you know, imagine if you got to go to a place where the elephants are the size of house animals and birds are the size of airplanes. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. So what did you think about the soundtrack in this film? I know it's action-adventure, and soundtrack plays a big part in it. So could you tell us your opinion of that? I was actually very surprised at the soundtrack in this movie. I didn't expect it to be so good. It really suited like most of the scenes in the movie, because when things got serious, the music got serious. And when things were upbeat and action and fast-paced, then music really represented that. I, I love the lizard chasing, the music in that. Mm -hmm. start even humming that after the film just because it was so memorable. Yeah. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are discussing the Dragon Boy trilogy with Donald Sampson, and also we will be reviewing The Big Miracle and Journey 2. So right now we're talking about Journey 2, which hits theaters February 10th, so be sure to go see this spectacular film. And um, Blake was just telling me about the soundtrack, and it was very memorable. I think that's really cool that you were able to, after leaving the film, hum along to the music. Because, you know, I find myself doing that in some films. And then other films, you don't even remember having the soundtrack be there because, you know, it, it doesn't really stick out. So I think that's cool yeah. that it stuck out to you. Right. Yeah, because the sound editing in this movie is so great. I mean, everything feels so real. The the sound in the theater was top-notch. Like, I felt I was actually in the movie. That's mm -hmm. how great it was. Awesome. So why don't you tell me if you had a favorite character or if you had a specific character that you directly related to? I really liked uh, uh, Josh Hutcherson in this movie playing Sean Anderson just because, like, he, he's a normal boy with uh, real-world problems, you know? The kids all over America are having uh, lots of trouble um, in their home life relating to 
like whether it's a stepdad or a stepmom or just I think I really like Josh Hutcherson just how everybody could relate to him so well and he's mm-hmm. Yeah, really creatively done. Well, and Joss Hutcherson is in some of my favorite movies. And I think, you know, when I see this film, I can't wait to see all of them, but especially his performance, because I've always thought he's been such a spectacular actor, even from such an early age in some of his um, earlier films and previous films. So I think that's cool that you liked his character. And so can you tell us about the performance of some of the other characters and actors in this film? Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you know, he's he's top-notch as always. He made a very believable uh, chemistry between Josh Hutcherson and himself, and I think he should be amended for it because, you know, it was very believable on how he interacted with all the people in the movie. So could you tell me a little bit about what age group you think would be suited for this film? I think a, uh, a really good age group would have to be um, ages 8 to 11, just because, like... There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor in the movie, but, you know, it's still a great time. And uh, most of the little kids will definitely appeal to Louise Guzman's performance as the, you know, the comic relief. And, uh, and I think uh, adults might get, like, turned off about how, uh, you know, just really cheesy his jokes are. But all in all, I think uh, most, mostly everybody will enjoy it, but definitely ages 7 to 11. Because the action gets a little scary here and there, but mm-hmm. it doesn't... Yeah, it's not too much. And how many stars do you think you would give this film on a scale of one to five? I would give this film a four and a half out of five. Awesome. And why is that? Well, overall, I think the movie was very entertaining and had some really memorable moments. The intensity and the importance of the given situation during the final act of the movie gives the audience a very good reason to sit on the edge of their seat. And what was the thing that stuck with you the most in this film? If you could pick just one aspect, what, was, what would it be that you know, really stood out to you? Probably the relationship between the stepfather and the stepson. Just because, you know, in the movie they really solved their issue with themselves, uh, with trusting each other. And I thought it was really heartwarming how um, Hank, that, uh, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, ended up creating a special bond with Josh Hutcherson. I think that's something that would probably stick out to a lot of people. The development between two characters can often be very, very strong and so significant in a film like that. So what do you think, if any, if there's morals or messages that you think would stand out to an audience? Well, definitely the relationship. And also, like I was saying, the the people that are um, in your life that really try to be close to you are the ones who really love you. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you. So what do you think about the overall production? You know, everything combined together. What's your opinion on that? Well, the movie is chock full of massive set pieces, which are all creatively brought to life by cinematography and editing, which I think Mm -hmm. is an outstanding achievement in any film. Um, Mm -hmm. just Just the way the writing was very good. It was very easy to understand for a younger audience, and it was really fun to see how it plays out in the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit more about the emotion in this film? I know it's an action adventure, but and you said that there was a bit of comedy in it, but could you explain more about that? Yeah, um, the, the way that Josh Hutcherson acts with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in this movie, they, they're always you know on each other and teasing each other, but you know if you really pay attention, they're actually getting closer to the, each other through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see um, them getting closer and closer as the movie progresses. 
So what do you think your favorite scene would be in this film? I love, I honestly love the part where they um, rode on these colossal bees and they ran away from these um, airplane sized birds. I just thought it was so magnificently put together in that scene where they were just dodging through the jungle and uh, evading all the dangers of the big forest and how um, colorful the birds looked. It, it really stuck with me. I always remember that scene. And we haven't really talked a lot about Vanessa Hutchins' performance in this, so could you tell us a little bit about how her character did and how her character related to the story and what she played? Yeah. Well, um, Kailani is uh, Sean's love interest in the movie, and uh, I think she did a, a pretty good job uh, playing the island girl and how um, you know she's kind of hardened in the beginning of the film towards Josh because she just thinks he's another airhead. And, it was also very fun seeing their chemistry in the film together and watching how they got together um, made me really like the movie. Well, Blake, thank you so much for telling us about Journey 2, which hits theaters February 10th. And Blake, congratulations for you being one of the kids' first film critic finalists. And the winners will be announced next week. So thank you so much for telling us all about this. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's Next Young Superstar? If you're the ages between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. 
You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the Dragon Boy trilogy with author Donald Sampson from Boulder, Colorado, just like me. So, Donald, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Great. So, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your books? Ooh, um, well, I've written three books. And I think it's convenient to talk about it right now because just uh, this month uh, we turned into the Chinese year of the dragon and uh, dragons in Chinese um, mythology are the children who are born the year of the dragon um, are known to have good fortune because dragons bring good fortune. And uh, that's very different than the type of dragon we have here in the West. So my books are about a luck dragon, a dragon that brings good luck to people. And so what was your inspiration behind writing these books? Uh, I taught for years in the Waldorf School. Mm -hmm. And every year we have a festival called Michaelmas in the fall. And this festival is dedicated to the battle with the dragon. And I was always puzzled all the years that I watched the the, the great procession that, that that's done at the school, uh, that the dragon is not destroyed, but the dragon is tamed. And I always ask myself, what good is a tame dragon? Once you've tamed him, what do you do with him? Yeah. Why not destroy him? And so this book is, is partially my answer to that question, what you do with a tame dragon. Mm-hmm. Because when well, a dragon is tamed, he becomes a, a luck dragon. Well, and I think your books are very different. I've read the first two of them. And um, I remember being read, uh, we had our teacher read them to us in class, which was very cool. And I think what is really cool about your books is in most other, you know, classic fairy tale books, the dragon is always the bad dragon and you have to slay the dragon to save the princess. And that's very typical. But your books show the different side of the dragon and the luck side of the dragon, which is very cool. I just it, the first book does deal with the luck dragon, whereas the second book is about your our classic Western dragon, the dragon that is ready to fight you and eat you up if you don't if you're not in your guard. Yeah. <laughs> um. So could you tell us a little bit about how you became a writer and you know how how you got to that path? I've always loved writing, and uh, I think when I was. Uh, a teenager, I had this dream one day I'd like to be a published author. And uh, life doesn't always go in the direction we'd like it to lead us. And I became a teacher and always used my writing in my classrooms. Uh, f- uh, wrote plays for my classes and many poems and many short stories. 
And uh, it was actually as a result of the encouragement from the class who first heard this story, which I told as a story in class uh, to these children, that, the, it, that I took seriously the thought that maybe I have a, a book here that others would like to read. Uh, they encouraged me. They, they said they wanted to read the story. And um, every time I read the story uh, in rewriting it, I said, gosh, this is a really good story. And uh, that led me to finally show it to others who then encouraged me to um, seek out publication. Well, in fifth grade at um, Shining Mountain Waldorf School here in Boulder, uh, Donald Sampson, or Mr. Sampson, as I used to call him, was <laughs> our Greek teacher. And I thought that was really cool that we got to learn Greek in school, which is not something that you have in, you know, your everyday classroom. So could you tell us a little bit more about your teaching? Uh, well, I always liked the Greek class myself because it's very popular with the students and I get an opportunity to immerse myself in the stories, the, the myths. Uh, as you know, but but others who don't know, Walter School, that teachers every day tell their children a story. And that's one of the things that attracted me to being a Waldorf teacher to begin with. We don't read the story, we prepare it the night before, and we come in and we tell the story. And uh, this, is, this is a gift not only to the children, but to me uh, personally, it was a gift because uh, the telling of a story is every bit as exciting as the hearing of a story. And so did knowing so much about mythology help you write this mythical fictional book? I'd like to say yes, and maybe unconsciously it did support me a great deal. Um, I know that uh, it, it wasn't a conscious effort on, on, in, in any sense because the story took its own path and wasn't following any uh, model of story that I had read before. And that puzzled me when I was, I was writing, but that's also what gave me the realization that this story is worth sharing because it was something new that it had come through me as a gift that was given to me. So what was the most challenging part of writing this book or the trilogy? Finding the time every day. I, I wrote my I wrote the first two books while I was still teaching full time. And uh, I would steal time away on the weekends, um, on the evenings. Uh, uh, the family would uh, say, hey, we're going to the pool. You want to come? And I would quickly say no <laughs> <laughs> without telling what I was going to do. And I would just sit, sit and find the time to write. Finding mm -hmm. the time is the hardest part. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are discussing the Dragon Voice series with Donald Sampson, and also we will be reviewing the film Big Miracle. So right now we're talking about Dragon Boy, and um, Donald was just telling me about the challenging part of writing this series and this trilogy in the books was about finding the time to sit down and, you know, focus on his writing. So on the flip side of that, what was... The, the best part, the most rewarding part of writing this series? I would say the most rewarding part for me is the reaction of the readers. Uh, when people ask what age these books are for, I have to honestly say from ages 9 to 90 because I have fans who have written or spoken to me um, at every age between those two extremes. Um, I'm always, it, it warns me to hear what people um read into the book what isn't what what they find valuable uh whenever i hear of uh, uh from parents how their kids have read the books over and over again it tells me that uh i've i've struck a chord that was true for them and uh i'd say that's the the most rewarding thing for me is is that so how long did it take you to finish the trilogy? <laughs> um, I'm often asked that question, and because I wasn't writing the books 
with intent to publish them when I first began. Um, the first book took about four or five years to write. Um, I was writing it parallel with the second book, so the, the second book came out the following year after the first book came out. When it came to the third book, I was very much intentioned uh, in writing, and that book took about a year and a half to write. And that came think, out just last fall. Do you think you would add on to the series and add more books to the trilogy and to the series? I've had many people tell me what I've left un untold and they would like to hear about. I'm presently working on a prequel to the story. I've actually worked on that prequel almost as long as I've worked on the first book uh, mm -hmm. when I began that one. And that's what I'm thinking will be the next one to come out, sort of pre-story. Do you think you're planning on writing any other novels that wouldn't necessarily go along with the series, but that might stand on their own? Absolutely. Uh, as any writer, I have many pans in the fire, and mm -hmm. I have several other manuscripts that I'm looking forward to having the time to devote my time and attention to. So how do you think readers will relate to this story and to the books? I know you said that hearing parents say that their children have read it again and again, that it must have resonated somewhere. But, you know, how do you think that um, readers will be able to relate to the story? The challenge that's found in the first book is one that every young person experiences. And it's the question, how do I achieve my goals? If I have a goal to be something that uh, is so high, such a high star that I'm, I'm trying to reach for, how do, I, how do I succeed in doing that? And the boy in the story uh, has about every disadvantage going for him as possible, uh, and yet he's able to achieve it. And so the underlying story is, or meaning there for me, that I was putting in there is that if we strive, we can achieve our dreams and our goals, uh, even if the first time we think of it, it seems outlandish and impossible, such as becoming a published author or mm. having your own radio show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you think that you relate to any character in this book or do you think that you could see yourself as a character that you've been writing about or if you just relate to the story in general? Uh, I've I've been asked that repeatedly, and the conclusion I've come to is um, I've related to all the characters, the, the positive characters as well as the negative characters, um, and I have to reach into a part of myself in order to make them uh, real. And if I succeed in making them real, it's because I've identified with that character. So whatever's in the story uh, is, and whoever is there, it's there because I've identified with it. Absolutely. I think that's really cool that you're able to, you know, write these characters that aren't necessarily you and they're not all about you, but it's a part of you. And I think that's cool. So where can you find these books and where can uh, people go to buy them? Um, they're available Amazon.com. Um, they're also available through Barnes & Noble both online as well as in stores. The, some stores carry them, others you have to order them depending where you are. Or go to my website, and may I say the name? Mm-hmm, go ahead. It's thedragonboy.com. Awesome. So what is the best advice you can give to young writers? Believe in yourself, believe in your writing. If you have a passion for writing, if you, it doesn't even have to be a writer. If you have a passion for anything, believe in your passion and trust that it's leading you to what um, you are to do next. And it may not be that that's what you'll end up doing, but it's that passion that will help you get to whatever your next step is. 
And so can you tell us about some daily dragons that you think might have helped spark this book? I know you say in the first book you write about um, the luck dragon, and in the second book you actually write about the typical Western dragon. So what are some dragons that you think people face in their daily lives? I believe that we all face dragons um, in a symbolic or metaphorical sense in our daily lives, those that bring us good fortune as well as those that uh, give us challenges, but even those that challenge us help us grow. And uh, for me in my life, uh, gosh, you know, I, I, I never go so far as to think, oh, this is a dragon in my life, uh, but I'm, I am well aware that when something good has happened to me and it's i've i've had good fortune nowadays it does slip out out, of, out my mouth easier than it did before um i must have a luck dragon nearby and when i'm facing a challenge um to to realize that just as in the stories that these challenges aren't necessarily something that's uh, intent and evil that's going to to destroy me but uh that it's to help me come to the next realization that I have to come to. Well, Donald, thank you so much for telling us about your Dragon Boy trilogy. I hope that everybody who's listening will go check it out, and we can't wait for the next book to come out. Thank you so much. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critic Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. 
Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. And welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the new film, Big Miracle, which hits theaters February 3rd with Anthony Aranda from San Diego. So how are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing good, thank you. And how are you? I'm fantastic. So, Anthony, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about this film and what you think of it? Well, pretty much this is just about a few kids... Well, one kid who first is just showing a camera guy, his cousin, and then he zoomed in really quick, and he saw these whales inside a big block of, like, in a hole. So it was, they were stuck there, and it was, like, five miles out to sea, so they had, so they had to do a lot of things just to save it. And yes, I did like this. I would give it, it was just such a good movie. Yeah, it was such a good movie. Well, this film is based on a true story, which I find absolutely fascinating. And I think another thing that's very cool is that all of these people come together to save these three whales, which are trapped in this ice barrier. And I think that's so cool that, you know, these three sort of helpless creatures that are massive, I know, but they're sort of in this tough situation. And I think it's cool that a ton of people from all over can come together to help them out and to save them. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, because since they're just five miles out to sea, they can't travel all the way to sea without breathing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, Anthony, could you tell us about the cinematography and the visuals and how that was for you? Well, I, th- I thought that was really good. Uh, all of the pictures of the whales, um, how everyone helped just to team up, and just I think so many people would like it. It's, there's pretty much nothing bad, but um, it's just so good. It's so good. Well, I'm glad to hear that you think about that. I can't wait to go see this film. It looks really good. So what age group do you think this film is best suited for? All ages. There's All ages? There's pretty much no scary parts. It's a really good movie. I don't think anyone would think it's bad. So what did you think about the soundtrack in this film? Well, the soundtrack is also pretty good. Like, um... There was just a couple of parts where it started to get really bad, like the ice started to close in, and they had to keep hitting it harder, hitting the ice harder, and and then some sad music started coming on. It was just such, but, and sometimes it's just some good stuff starts to happen, and some music starts to turn on, so it's really good. So, do you think you have a favorite scene or a character in this film? Um, yeah, I have. 
this, I think, is my favorite scene is when um, the governor says, no, he will not help the whales. And then um, a girl named Rachel, who is just a person in the movie, complains that he wouldn't help the whales. And he said, I hate that girl. And then he had to go in front of the whole news station and say he would do anything to help the whales. I Uh thought that was so funny. So what did you think about the acting in this film? Um, it really showed how, yeah, I think it's good because just so many people were doing really good. Like, um, down in Antarctica, I get why it's so cold. And I also like, and what I think, I like the boy because at first people are buying cardboard to stand on because the ice is too cold. And then he's, at first they say no. And since he ran out, he said 40 bucks for it instead of 20. <laughs> so, really, he's just really funny. Yeah, he's funny. So, do you think you could see yourself as a specific character in this film? Well, probably just a little bit of the boy. I would try to do that, too. But um, I would just, yeah, I would probably just do what he did and help. Anthony, I could definitely see you being that character. So what do you think about the emotion in this film? I know there definitely must be um, a lot of sort of suspenseful things, like you said, with the ice closing in and saying, like, are we going to save these whales? Are we not going to save the whales? So what do you think about the emotion? Well, I thought the emotion was good, except for, like, some people who said they wouldn't and then they had to because the news came. It was just all the emotion uh, was really good. They really, really wanted to get this movie good. I can yeah. tell. <laughs> well, I'm glad that they tried to get the movie so good because it sounds like you really like it. So what do you think, um, how many stars would you give this film on a scale of one to five? Five. Five stars? And why is that? Um, it's just the age group is good. The sim- cinematography is good. The sound is good. The emotion's good. Everything's good. So knowing that this film is based on a true story, did that help the movie sort of resonate with you better? And did it help you understand it a little bit more? Yeah, and now you could tell, like, it was a true story. And what I said, and also what I think is that this is one of the best true story movies I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, well, that's awesome. So what do you think stuck with you the most out of this film? What is the most memorable moment you have from this movie? Pretty much just seeing how the boy really cares about the whales and how so much people join together. Like, they fly to there and just help. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing the film Big Miracle, which hits theaters February 3rd. So right now we're talking, like I said, about Big Miracle, and um, Anthony was just telling me about how he loves this movie so much, and he thinks it's so great, and he just said that it was the best, or one of the best, true story movies that he has ever seen, which is amazing. So, Anthony, do you think that you would have added anything to this film that you felt was left out? Or do you think you would have taken something out of this film that you didn't think was necessary? Well, what I think they could add on 
it's like at first there's just one part of the movie with some helpers who just help unfreeze the ice and they're like in just a couple parts of the movies hardly any and like um they actually said that um the president of the united states was actually there and mm-hmm. they only showed him like one picture of him yeah yeah so you think they could have elaborated a bit more on that yeah i see so what morals and messages do you think this film puts out to an audience well like if you care about something you don't need to give up because they all just cared about the whales at first they felt like they needed to give up and then when they found out of how much the whales are starting to die they really wanted to help and i know you said a bit earlier that you related to the boy um, but do you think that you relate to the whole story or if there's anything in this story that sort of relates to your daily life? Because, yeah, I'm kind of related to, like, how just um, I like look, finding, like, water animals. Uh, I just love water animals. They're, they're just really cool animals. Well, I agree with you, too. I love dolphins and whales and sharks and things like that. Um, so, Anthony... Do you think that there are any morals or messages um, that should have been elaborated a bit more on? Or do you think that there's any messages that they could have incorporated into this film that were left out? Well, I don't really think there was anything that was left out, like any of those. I think everything else was pretty much fine. And what do you think of the overall production and everything combined together? What's your opinion on that? Everything that's combined together... Um, I would kind of give it, like, four, um, and a half stars. From everything that's combined together, yeah. Yeah, just kind of, like, with the, when the characters aren't put in too much, or some, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of it, so I think Mm -hmm. everything else is perfect. And I know you said that this film is for all ages, but do you think, you know, little kids could go see this with their parents and both the children and the parents would be entertained? And do you think that teenagers could go see this film with their friends? Like, what's your opinion on that? Well, yeah, I think everyone would love this movie. It's also just such a funny movie, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think everyone would love this movie. And I know you have younger siblings. Did you see this film with them? Um, I did see it with my brother, and my brother loved this movie. And did you think your younger sister would also enjoy it as much as you and your brother did? Yes, I think she would love seeing the whales, and especially the baby whale. And why do you think she would like the baby whale? Well, because she's kind of a baby too, and at first it's just really her, but she likes seeing the baby. She thinks it's small, but in real life it must be really, really big. Yeah. Um, so, Anthony, I know that they give all of the whales names in this movie. So does it sort of help to have the whales not just be, you know, mammals, but also have them be these characters and these, these things, these living, breathing, feeling things that need help? Did giving them names and giving them personalities help that? Well, pretty much, yeah, because if you just saw three whales... Um, that's kind of, they made some names, they, um, and there is one part that I really liked, but it's 
would kind of give away the ending. Oh, well, we don't want to do that. We'll just have no. to let our audience go see this film, which comes out February 3rd. So be sure to go see Big Miracle, which is based on a true story. I personally can't wait to go see that. Well, it looks like we're out of time for our show today. Anthony, thank you for telling us about this fantastic movie. Like I said, can't wait to go see it. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. You can experience more Kids First fun, watch our film reviews, and see your favorite up-and-coming film critics by going to www.kidsfirst.org. I'm Raven Tabani signing out, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know what to see. And speaking of see, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>